So we are live. Uh, thank you, uh, one and all, for um, tuning into this first of hopefully many Giro podcasts. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Jordan. Uh, I own and run Giro uh, Cycles in Isha. And, you know, in the six years we've been open, uh, as you can imagine, we have lots of different people coming in and lots of relationships and lots of chat. And we thought, well, why don't we, you know, package up some of the chit chat we usually have over coffee or a beer and, and put it in a potto. So here we are, podcast number one. Yeah. And uh, so what we wanted to talk about today is all things ultra endurance cycling. Um, as a bit of background, um, we started working with Curve here at Jira about three years ago, and it opened up my eyes and certainly many other people's eyes to this world of endurance cycling that for some um, have never been heard of before. And I certainly knew a little bit about it, but certainly not as much as I do now. And I know there's probably plenty of you listening out there that are in the same boat that are maybe just starting to understand a little bit more about what Ultra is, maybe have many questions about it. So that's really the purpose of this podcast. Um, so we are joined today uh, with uh, two not only very close friends, but colleagues as well. Uh, we have to my right, uh, Matthew Falconer, who started out life as a customer here in Giro. And now he is a very, very close friend, but he's also a Curve ambassador and a very established and well-respected uh, ultra endurance rider. Uh, and then to my left, I have none other than Flint. Sorry, I mean, Ryan Flint. <laughs> Flint. <laughs> Ryan. Are you Flynn Ryan? You know, uh, uh, Ryan is, we'll you know, allow themselves to introduce each other in a minute, but Ryan is one of the partners of, of uh, Curve. We've been working together for about three years. We first met here in Giro three years ago and had one of the best rides that we've had in a long time. And uh, since then, we've been working very close together. I not only call him a colleague, but a close friend and brother. Thank you, man. Um, but Ryan is also a very well-established uh, ultra-endurance rider. Um, has you know? Uh, the term is <coughs> ultra-endurance micro-vlogger. <laughs> Forgive me. I, uh, I stand corrected. Let the... Uh, let, the <laughs> let the record let show. Let the record show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the reason why I thought this was a really great time to do this podcast is Ryan has just finished the inaugural Pan Celtic, Celtic, Celtic. Pan Celtic. We have a Celtic. Uh, Celtic. Yeah, the, Celtic the inaugural Pan Celtic race, uh, which Ryan will explain about in a moment. And Matt is just about to leave to go off and to start his fourth transcontinental race. Um, so it just seemed like a good time to get you two together. One's just finished, one's about to start yep. um, and discuss the ins and outs of, of what, uh, what ultra riding is. So um, I'll allow, I've given a brief introduction, but maybe Matt, I'll start with you. Why don't you just give us a bit of a rundown on who you are and, uh, and um, why you're here? Apart from the free beer and salad. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki, for the salad. It was delicious. Yeah, so I'm Matthew Faulkner. I'm a... Um, I guess an ultra endurance athlete. Um, I always kind of, I'm not sure athlete is probably, probably the right word, but yeah, I mean, you know, I ride my bike quite a long way. Um, this is my um, fourth time at the transcontinental race. Um, the first three times kind of, well, the first time I did it, it was a bit of a, um, bit of an exploration just to see what's out there and, you know, going far. Um, and I've kind of got a bit of a bug for it. So, um, <laughs> yeah so um yeah riding my bike far and, and racing I'm, I'm, that's why i'm here today cool just to talk about that well i love having you here mate um and we'll delve into a little bit more about your tcr experience and um rhino what's your story yeah how's it Oaks? how's it how's it, how's Oaks? it Oaks? well my story in a nutshell sure um 
all started about five years ago when I moved from the UK um, to help establish an aviation private jet brokerage in, in Australia, in Melbourne. But I'd always been a lifetime athlete, um, but had been sort of following a path in the uh, corporate kind of uh, world, I guess, for about 10 or 12 years um, before I met some really interesting characters who became wonderful friends. And, you know, they're the other um, business partners inside of Curve, Jesse, Steve and Adam. Um, yeah, and I guess I'm the I'm the guy you probably see a lot of messing around on on bikes, either <laughs> you know performing a silly trick and hurting myself, <laughs> or um, you know going on an adventure and just kind of trying to share that story um, through any sort of guerrilla format we can through mm. social media, because mm. that's essentially how Curve started we didn't really have a lot of cash but we had a lot of enthusiasm mm. and a lot of experience um in in different types of cycling be it 24-hour racing mountain biking sort of cross-country downhill enduro free ride um, cyclocross track fixed gear um you know the road we were racing crits um doing multi-day stuff and we all kind of had a background in cycling that was very different but the singular sort of combining factor was our love for adventure mm. and sharing that with other people mm. um so what better guys to to start a business with mm. but very different colorful characters that um all all kind of had a, a very big part in what Curve is today. And and that goes without saying, the greater family and the guy to my left has been instrumental in that, sharing that story. And, you know, Matthew doesn't really regard himself as an athlete, but what he does on the bike in an ultra-endurance um, setting mm. is quite unique and to a lot of people is unthinkable um, and I guess for us it's always been um, about breaking down that kind of barrier between what an athlete looks like who they who people would I guess stipulate and dictate mm. what they should look like mm. and <clears throat> take all of that away and just go on a great adventure and share that story and open that possibility up to everyone and anyone. So what is adventure? What does that mean to you? And I guess from us, we didn't actually start off as a an, an ultra brand. Yes, yes. We were just an adventure brand. Yeah. We just said, hey, we yeah. want to make some wonderful products yeah. and we want to share those with people. Yeah. The only way we can do that, though, yeah. is by doing some really cool stuff, yeah. the coolest things we can think of. Yeah. Can we race the Tour yeah. Divide on our rims? Yeah. That's how we started, really. Yes. Can we race across America and set a record, build a bike to support that, race across Australia, set up Race to the Rock? Can we, can we design some off-road machines that can support that kind of adventure? Can we, you know, set the fastest known time for, for what, Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, yeah. whatever, whatever it was? Um, 
we kind of used those adventures to say, hey, look, the products that we're making and the products that guys like Matthew are riding mm. are, you know, are definitely of um, or born from that spirit of adventure, yeah. but also can showcase the quality of, of yeah. the product at the same time. Yeah. Sorry, I've kind of gone off track there a bit, but that's kind of my little story has yeah. kind of been, been part of that growing adventure space yeah. within cycling because you've been in cycling or I have in all its different forms for for a long time it was just kind of how we ended up here was just pursuing that adventure that yeah. next adventure and those adventures just got bigger and bigger yeah uh, yeah so in a roundabout nutshell a pretty big nutshell uh, <clears throat> it's a big nut but yeah. um, you know how do you how do you crack it uh, I try my best <laughs> um yeah, so I mean, I think but before I continue, I think I can definitely speak to the, the sense of adventure, um, you know, from Curve in that. So just as a, you know, you know, we've been, you know, really our brands have aligned for the last three years. We met three years ago in the cafe and these two these two guys literally walked in through a connection with a friend yeah. and looking to go for a ride. And so we, we had first time met uh, Ryan, who's here, and Adam, who is... You know, he's far away physically, but in spirit, he's right here with us. Hey, Adam. <laughs> love, love you, buddy. Um, and these guys had cycled over from France, from the Loire Valley. Um, and that was like, whoa, wait, you guys just cycled here from France? Like, yeah. And it was nothing to them. You know, it's just, yeah, we're just having a bit of fun, you know, meeting people on the way, you know, going down downhill tracks on, on, oh, on yeah. bikes. And, uh, and so we went out for a ride here in the Surrey Hills uh, with these two. And Josh, um, who used to work for yeah. us, he had come, come back for the weekend. And we just had one of those rides that was just so much fun. And, you know, there was no real, at the time, there was no real proposition on the table to work together, but we just really clicked and connected. And, and since then, we've kind of very much partnered with you guys here in Europe. Mm. But from day one, it's never really been transactional, much more relational. Yeah. And the adventures that you can have on a bike. And, um, you know, since then, it's opened up this amazing world to, to different things. So it's been a real privilege, you know, working together. Um, one of those aspects of since working with Curve, as, as we alluded to earlier, was this understanding and exploration of what ultra endurance riding is um so we're seeing more and more ultra rides pop up all over the place all over the world um we've yeah. seen you know a, a indie pack which goes across australia or indie pacific wheel race we've seen trans am which is a little bit more established transcontinental a tcr that we've referred to which goes across europe and many others some on road some off road some with routes some with checkpoints so maybe i i, I you know i pose the question to you two like for those who are listening who have never heard of something called ultra endurance riding or racing or adventure, whatever you want to call it, what is ultra? Mm. Let's unpack that real quickly. What is, what, ultra? what is ultra? You want to take that one away, big dog? Well, um, yeah, it's a good question. I think um, ultra is it's about kind of taking, in a lot of senses, about taking the, the races of old, um, like how, you know, the... The people used to do it in the olden days, yeah. uh, where you take away all the support, uh, you take away um, you know all of the the team cars, um, you take away the cameras as well in yeah. a certain sense, yes. um, and you, you're given a route and you start and you you finish at the end. It's yeah. like um, the ultra side of it comes into the um, I guess you know the distance that that you have to travel yeah. um, and in the time that you have to do that in. Yeah. So um, I mean. Yeah, anything from a thousand to you know four thousand to 
and beyond, you know, seven, yeah. eight thousand. I'm sure the the Trans Am is about seven thousand k. Yeah, six um, eight, six eight. Yeah, and it's it's about basically getting on your bike, riding, keeping going mm-hmm. until you need a, a nap, having a nap, <laughs> getting up, and, and keeping going again. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you 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 have to push yourself. Um, you find an awful lot about yourself out um, along the way. Um, you learn how to live on the road and forget about life and you're just focused on just you know moving somewhere yeah. so yeah cool yeah that's- i think that's why it's perhaps become so very popular in today's kind of busy busy life busy kind of um lifestyle where there's a million things to think of and everything's moving extremely mm. quickly mm. and you feel like you barely have time to do anything yes then you whittle it down to I'm on the road and where do I sleep? Where do I find water? Where yeah. do I find food? That's it. You worry about three things whilst enjoying pretty much some of the most beautiful mountains and landscapes you can think of. Um, you know, and I've been lucky enough to to race across many of those just on my bike and it kind of opens that possibility up to, I guess, in an ultra sense, how far you can actually travel just under your own power without any support mm. across vast distances. Yeah. And although the distances are vast in total, you break them down each day and you have 24 hours each day to, to plan those three things and pedal a bit. And you realize, wow, you know, this wonderful machine that just requires your two legs to operate can actually propel you vast distances whilst asking some very interesting questions of yourself you may or may not want to answer yes so uh that that i think is quite a big draw card for a lot of people Mm. um and i guess the other aspect is being an ultra and as matthew said being kind of um, responsible for yourself you you kind of have all of the cards yeah. and you decide how you play them yeah and whatever those cards that you hold can be very different to everyone else's yeah but you slowly start to learn <clears throat> the strength of your deck i guess yeah and um each time you go on an adventure you're learning as matthew was saying a, a bit more about yourself yeah and um you know just expanding your horizons at the same time so i guess an ultra is yeah it's it's taking or reminding yourself of what you're able to do what you're possible of just from a mental kind of aspect because Mm. most of the ultra endurance racing is really interesting where it strips back anything to do with athleticism matthew and i very different in in the way that we race in the way that we look in the way that we may um uh kind of um take on an ultra Mm. but i tell you what you'll give me a good run for my money you'll probably even beat me Mm. and um yeah probably probably (laughs) we've never raced each other we've never raced each other yet but you know maybe one day um but that's the really cool thing about ultra as well there's no nothing to do with sex it strips that yes. completely back yes. 
um, to be honest, I don't even know why they have a male and a female category yeah, because sure. I think, I think in a way, um, sex doesn't matter. You know, watts per kilo mm. and all that other nonsense mm. doesn't matter. Um, and well, well, Sarah's proved that time again. Yeah, our good friend Sarah is unbeaten in Race to the Rock. Um, it was dubbed the race so hard no man had actually finished it, mm. let alone won it. Mm. Um, and she remains unbeaten in that in that off-road ultra-endurance yeah. format. Mm. Um, yeah, so that, that's the really interesting thing about ultras to me. And the wonderful thing about ultras is that anyone can do it. If you've got a bicycle and yeah. a sense of adventure, yeah. you have a yeah. very wonderful open community, yeah. you know, that want to see yeah. you succeed, yeah. want to help you kind yeah. of go as far as you can mm. on an adventure. Um, and that's even whilst racing. Mm. And that's pretty special. Yeah, it is special. And then all of the fun and the friends that you make along the way um, has also been quite, quite special and significant, um, especially in my life. The other, the other wonderful thing is it does um, go back to that sort of glory heyday, mm. the golden era of cycling when these guys were, were riding um, epic one-day stages without any support yeah. on a single gear, um, you know, often, often fixed, carrying tubes around their, mm. around their shoulders mm. and, you know, going into a cafe and just raiding it. Mm. And that was, you know, you were touched by the tour. You know, mm. it was the greatest honor mm. for a, mm. a cafe owner for the tour to come and, and, and the peloton to raid, um, you know, your, your, your stocks. And um, you were forever touched by the tour and therefore people wanted to be a part of that. They'd come and they'd visit your store because... Yeah. The, the greats had come past and that's kind of really interesting about ultra as well is the dot watchers the greater community mm. the accessibility of um kind of um cyclists now how they're able to be tracked how you can understand what they're doing in their mm. stories mm. you know mm. you can follow them on instagram on mm. facebook mm. um you know there's stuff going on live mm. there's people mm. interacting with mm. the race and and feeding that back into the wider community that's all following the race yeah everyone's got a tracker on their back yeah so you know you're watching a dot which in the old days i think ultra's been around a lot longer than people realize absolutely but it's just with the development of technology that it's become so much more accessible in the past you were probably racing and no one even knew that you'd started let alone finish one of these things but now everyone kind of Everyone kind of knows, which so, is a great thing because now more people are doing it. So, I mean, that you've touched on some really cool points there. And I, yeah. and, and I think we should definitely spend some time kind of digesting those um, and kind of breaking them down in a bit. I, I, love, I love the passion in your voice around it because it is such... I mean, I personally haven't done an ultra, but I've been around a few. But I hear that you are about to take on your first ultra next year maybe. in the rhino run <laughs> maybe uh, uh, maybe it's south africa R- rumors have it yeah yeah, yeah this is some um, whispers but you know but there it is it is a very special part of cycling and i can understand and see why people get so attached to it because it does break away from the norm as as, as you both of you kind of alluded to and yeah it's so simple and the support is amazing and, and when you were talking about the support you know your voice really lifted because I think that's such a big part of it mm. is people really get behind you and, and it, maybe it's just because it's so refreshing in the society that we live in at the moment and aspects of it where it's just so counterculture you know people you know all it is is you know an individual doing something that is so accessible 
but yet so distant at the same time and that you know it is a physical feat but it's made possible by the people cheering them on and um you know i uh you know I've, I've you know i've been around a few and earlier this year we went to the start of one that was in ireland the transatlantic way and yeah. there's such a real passion there and we'll come back to that in a moment um matt for you why did you choose an ultra race like what was it about it that and and maybe what was going on in your life that took you into cycling but also took you to that point of doing you know something quite extraordinary actually now you may kind of you may um you, you may not think it's extraordinary but for a lot of people it is and that's what i love about you matt is that you are very you're very humble and your achievement but i'm be the first to kind of big you up because you know actually what you do is is remarkable and a big part of that is you are very humble about it um and i remember when you said to me we were out on a ride on a sunday ride and you said oh i've got a place in the tcr and i was like oh great what's the what's tcr that? <laughs> and that was that was absolutely my first experience yeah. of kind of you know this this different you know kind of long distance this world um of this unsupported riding over larger distances um so what was the journey for you matt that took you to that first start line of your first ultra race and then ryan i'll ask you the same question yeah sure and so for me i, I only started cycling in what 2011 okay um and i think it was just before the olympics came through and that olympic year i kind of mm. started cycling a bit more seriously got a nice carbon bike and were you living around here uh, yeah, I was yep. living in uh, Hinchley Woods, so okay, just fine. down the road. Yeah, fine. Um, yeah and, and I started doing a few kind of sportives and stuff, and I was kind of getting a bit put off by some of the, just the, the mass starts uh, of them. And mm. I quite liked, um, a couple of times I just used to nip off on my own, you know, mm. um, go ride to the seaside, be it, you know, Brighton or Western Supermare. And um, just, you know, kind of realised quite quickly that it's quite easy to just get on your bike and, and ride somewhere mm. um and i rode to paris a couple of times just you know exploring and um i went to watch the tour a few times just uh, get a ferry over ride over in 24 hours mm. um it's really quite a simple thing to do but yeah, it is, when yeah. you get there it's it like together. oh my god i've just rode my bike to paris yeah, yeah. um and then yeah. you get fleeced for a pint yeah jeez oh, yeah <laughs> it's, it's even worse now but um yeah, and, and then I kind of started looking, well, you know, maybe I'd want to ride my bike across Europe and go touring. And I was mm. like, but I, I don't have the time to do a, a full-on tour. Mm. Um, but I'd been seeing a few things on the transcontinental race. Mm. And I'd been, you know, it's a very kind of um, low-key thing. Well, it was um, in the early days. Mm. Um, there, there'd be maybe, you know, 60, 60 folks turn up at mm. the start and then they'd you know, race across Europe. And it'd be fascinating to follow because you, mm. could, you could follow the dots, you could follow some of their social media posts, you could mm. see what they're doing. It's like, then you could go onto Google uh, Street View and work out why they stopped there. And Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, and like the dot watching was fascinating, but also just realizing that you can actually just ride there. Yeah. Um, having, having a race kind of gave me a bit of a purpose to that. Mm. Um, the other side of it. So you started as a dot watcher. Of course. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I've always wanted to have that bit of a, an adventure. Like, yeah. So heading off into, you know, the, the Balkans and uh, Far East Europe, you know, there's a bit of a an unknown quantity. Yeah, to absolutely. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, for the first the first year, it was it was fascinating, like mm. getting into the Balkans mm. and how close they were yeah. as well. Yeah. Like it, it kind of didn't take that long to yeah. ride there. Yeah. Um, relatively speaking um you you get into the balkans and 
you know, you've got all this history, very recent history, and, yes. and it's all, you know, there's a lot of evidence. Yes. Of, um, you know, the wars um, on show. Yeah, wow. Um, and it, yeah, you kind of then start learning about the place a bit more and, mm. and really thinking about where you're actually, where you are and yeah. the history behind everything. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, carrying on even further into um, Europe and further down towards Turkey than mm. the first year. It was it was a fascinating experience, just yeah. just you know having that kind of adventure. Yeah, amazing. And it was kind of a rare thing to have is that you know sense of adventure mm. or expedition, if you mm. like, mm. in this day and age. I mean, it's all pretty much explored and, and stuff. But for me, it was it was pretty eye opening. Yeah, um, sure. To see the world that way. So yeah, amazing. Um, and we'll get on to some of your TCLs in a moment. But how about yourself, Ryan? Your your first ultra race what was that and were you, you yeah were you yeah. ready for it um well my obviously jesse and sarah who are part of curve cycling were my first kind of real eye openers mm. to the sport mm. in general mm. um i didn't realize how quite <laughs> how good they were um, because they were just mates. Yeah, of course. And we were always riding together. Nice. Um, and then slowly realized, you know, Jesse's actually one of the best riders in this scene. Uh, things he could do on a bike, I just didn't really understand because I'd never, it didn't, I'd never seen a guy ride 400Ks a day for 17, 18 days straight and win the Trans-America mm. whilst dodging tornadoes, having terrible <laughs> diarrhea and being sick, <laughs> slipping a disc in his back on the second day, um, just having horrendous weather, tornado warnings through Kansas. Mm. You know, I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> this guy is a hero. <laughs> oh, just, uh, I was just blown away i mean he his first ever race was the tour divide and you know he was with the great mike hall that set the record at that at that stage and we were kind of just testing rims you mm. know and i was like yeah chess is going out to test some rims <laughs> i didn't know what he was doing yeah. quite you know but that was amazing and then yeah we we got closer together as as mates and then i you know that was quite some time ago that was over seven years ago mm. and then um Sarah was like, hey, Jesse, I've, I've done a few Everests. Um, also new to cycling, like Matt, probably about the same time, was like, yeah, done a few Everests. I think she was the first woman to Everest stuff. Anything. Anything, yeah, well, like just it? Everest. Wow. And then um, it was becoming a thing. And for those of you who don't know what an Everest is, it's essentially you climb in vertical meters the um, height of Everest, 8,848 meters above sea level so you go to a singular climb and you do that until you hit everest and i was like that's just why <laughs> mind-numbing i don't want to climb the same bloody climb <laughs> but you know i understand it as mm. well it's uh, it's a personal challenge it's not just about going up and down the same hill um which can sound a bit mind-numbingly boring at times but you know therein is your race and how you feed yourself mm. and um, how you take on that mm. gargantuan challenge mm. is, is up to you. And so Sarah was doing those and then she said, you know what, I've just seen you win the Trans Am. I want to win the Trans Am. And I was like, what? Um, I was doing crits. 
<laughs> and I'd, uh, I'm from South Africa, so grew up in Cape Town for a bit. And, you know, the big multi-day cross-country mountain bike stage race, like the Tour de France of mountain biking was the Cape Epic. Yeah. And I was, that's all I wanted to do. And I knew Jesse had done that as well, of course. Probably won it. Yeah. And I was like, you know, him and his mate and about 100 other competitors got diarrhea, food poisoning. Mm. So, um, yeah, they, they, um, they were the guys that developed that um, flap in the bibs. You know, with oh, the yeah, yeah, sure, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was Jesse and yeah, yeah, the Jesse uh, flap. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Jesse yeah. flap. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm wearing one of those right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I was just keen on doing stuff like that. You know, I was still kind of in the ex triathlete sort of phase. Loved mm. racing triathlon. Was a was a young swimmer. I was a nipper and mm. South African life saving. And at my local club was the Strand. You know, just just south of Somerset West. Sure, yeah, shout out to the Strand. Shout out to the Strand. My boys, sure, uh, yeah, sure. you know, my boys with the great whites fighting <laughs> them off with their bands. Uh, love you, Oaks. Like Oaks, Keep huh? surfing, eh? Crazy. Deep, deep and long. <laughs> deep and long. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of in that style of, of my, I guess, adventure in cycling. And mm. it was more like fixed gear track. I was like, I want to do Red Hook. And I mm. got to go and race in Barcelona. And that mm. was fun. And I was doing stuff on the indoor track. And, you know, I was kind of just exploring all everything cycling had. I just mm. wanted it all. Mm. And I wanted to, to be as good as I can in every sport. And I just loved it. And I was, I was more of a trials rider, really. That's kind of where I started proper cycling was I was a I wanted to be a professional trials rider mm. and that's all I did for a mm. long long time when I was you know 11 years old and um, yeah going back to meeting Jesse I guess that was the beginning of the end for me in terms <laughs> of everything else because um, you know he would just go hey, hey Rhino uh, yeah g'day mate how you going yeah so uh, we're gonna go to Adelaide two days 450 350 you in I was like <laughs> what mate he doesn't actually sound like that. No, but he doesn't it's at my all. Aussie, I didn't, I didn't want to say anything. It's my Aussie uh, yeah. accent. Sorry, yeah. Jesse. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three uh, three fifty to end because you know all the the mountains uh, South Australia were getting uh, get close there, so it's going to take sixteen hours four fifty, then another sixteen hours. Uh, that's if the winds are good. The <laughs> winds were not good. Uh, it was like a full twenty hours of riding the first time, and all I was doing was roller coastering on Coca Cola. Because like, oh, I'd no. never ridden long before. So I was like, you just have as much coke as you can until you get to the end. <laughs> and you should have seen the highs oh, and the lows. No. And they were just getting bigger highs and bigger lows. And it was certainly not fun for Jesse no. or anyone else, um, especially me. But we, we had a great time. I think the first real, like, proper, I guess, ultra was was actually just Daniel and I, a really good mate from Sydney. I'd go and spend time with Uncle Pete, who you guys may or may not know, but he's the guy that got me into cycling, um, really into road cycling. He's a massive fan of um, of all things road and the tour, and we used to you know, FaceTime each other because then he could give me access to Eurosport, and mm. I'd sit there with him and we'd watch the tour, but I'd actually be in Melbourne, and he'd be in Sydney, and he'd be on the... On the, on the computer and he'd turn the computer so that I could see his television <laughs> and then um, yeah, we'd well, sit together about... watching the Tour de France. How's it, Uncle Pete? Love you, Oak. And um, <laughs> yeah, so then coming back from Sydney, Daniel and I just said, hey, why don't we ride? 
Like, yeah. let's go back to Melbourne on our bikes. And we had backpacks. Backpacks. Stupidest oh. ever. Never ride with a backpack. He's still riding with backpacks. Yeah, well, Daniel's, you know, there's nothing in there. It's just for show. I, th- I think it's styrofoam, man. <laughs> he just wants to look tough when he drops an Astana rider on a training ride. Yeah. But um, sorry, Astana rider. That was, that was a joke, eh? <laughs> he rides a lot anyway. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, we, we were kind of just doing these long rides and they just got longer and longer and the adventures got bigger and bigger. And then Jesse was like, do you know what? I'm going to set the world alight. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm going to bring the best of the best to Australia, showcase our great country, mm. its wonderful history with ultra endurance, the overlanders who in the 19th century were, were essentially crossing vast distances of, of land following telegraph poles across mm. the Nullarbor, across the desert, and uh, finding water and setting records across the entire continent. It was quite interesting to read up on that history, and I guess that also interested Matthew and what he was saying about, yeah. you know, the Balkans and understanding that and, you know, reading up a bit more and actually having, having that on show and it's just on your doorstep and mm. being part of that in a way. So, so he did. He put on... Arguably one of the most amazing races I've ever seen, and the whole world was kind of just a buzz with the best of the best actually meeting for the first time. Like obviously, like as you as you can see, like we've never raced each other, and that's the problem with ultras. Some of the the best of the best never actually get to race each other because they're actually quite expensive. Yeah, and people sh- might be on different schedules, different yeah. you know north and south southern yeah. hemispheres. Um, you know, their training doesn't always align. But mm. then we had probably one of the strongest fields I've ever seen in the sport all line up and go, do you know what? Let's duke it out. Let's go. And it was incredible. Mm. Um, that was my first experience because I was right there in the thick of it. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I had my aggressive race bike. I didn't have TT bars. I was, I carried everything like tents blow up inflatable mattresses and you know spirit animals and soft cuddly toys shout out to eggs shout out to eggs love you i don't know where you are but uh, you're still close to uh, me yeah, always in my heart i'll never forget you my boy love you and um yeah so that that was me like going full gas crazy like it was a crit exploding my knee watching like jesse sarah christoph mike doing 650 k's in the first 20 odd hours and i was like wow, um, I really have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but it sure is fun at the back. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really steep learning curve. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, was, it was steep. Yeah. It was steep. Yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, that's the, uh, the big nut yeah. uh, in a nutshell of how I, I love started. That. And it's in, cool, you know, because, yeah. you know, you, you're both, you know, are well respected as, as endurance riders and, and micro vloggers. <laughs> um, pioneering microvloggers I should say excuse me and um, sorry YouTube I love the fact that you both came at them from very different angles but you're still participating and still celebrate the what it is Um, you know you mentioned these you know explorers who were going across Australia I've been fortunate enough to spend some time with Jesse and to hear his passion Mm. and the way that he talks about these guys that were literally risking their lives to see how far they could get across Australia before finding water. And it's literally, it, there was no shops. There was no kind of yeah. like main roads. It was like, you know, well, I can go this far without water. So if I don't find water, I come back. Yeah, and, then, back. and then the next day I start again on a different, and I mean, just, and, and 
I love that because it kind of puts into perspective, you know, what he's been able to achieve as a as a you know ultra endurance rider, and it, you know it's not about this personal um, you know stature of oh look how far I've gone in X amount of time. No. There's this very deeply entrenched respect and love and passion for you know it's that explorer's heart you know it's that you know i mean you know straight away matt you were you saying talking about the balkans it was like you know it was not i mean you crikey you know from my standpoint you cycled from you know belgium to greece in or turkey was it greece or turkey the first time turkey the first yeah time. turkey in 10 days but what you're speaking about is not the fact that you crossed a huge distance in a short amount of time it was like the Balkans were so close and you know you you know taken with that explorer's heart and and I love that um I just find that really um really exciting there's there's definitely a few other bits I'd love to kind of unpack but um let's talk about let's talk about the what you take with you because I think what a lot of people maybe still don't realize is that it's completely unsupported so what that means is you take everything that you need with you. So you, of course, are responsible for finding food. So you stop along the way to find food, water, mm. shelter if needed. But, um, you know, Matt, you're just about to start your fourth TCR. Mm-hmm. Um, so for this 4,000 kilometer journey, however long it will take with X amount of checkpoints, what are you preparing? What, have you, what did you take for your first one? What are you not taking for this one? Uh, essentially, you know, what are you taking on your bike? What bike are you taking? There's a lot of questions, man. There's a lot of questions. There's also an awful lot of stuff in the bike. Yeah, cool. Let's um, let's break it down. (laughs) So I think the first year, and in fact, every year since, I I always take too much stuff. Yeah, really? Really? Um, Yeah, I always pack in too much. Um, Like whether I have three multi-tools or, you know, that's what I always have too much stuff. And I I figure that's not a bad thing necessarily. Um, You know, you're kind of having a bit of redundancy and um, you've got... uh, extras um yeah but a second bike mate come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right a spare set of wheels mate come on yeah, yeah. <laughs> that little trailer thing you carry i mean yeah. it's cool yeah, but yeah yeah i think um, and so your parrot <laughs> just come on he doesn't he doesn't want to come <laughs> it helps you get up the hills <laughs> trust me um but no i i think yeah you you can you can go to a bunch of different ways and i guess what you take um it affects your strategy of how you're going to ride the race and sure it's kind of like um i think uh, our friend darren franks gave us a um, bit of an analogy it's kind of like a, a four thousand kilometer risk assessment so <laughs> you'll take stuff that you'll kind of really need yeah. or that you unlikely to be able to source on the way yeah and you will you'll leave out stuff that you might not be able to find um you know i think we're kind of fortunate with the transcontinental races that europe has a lot of bike shops yeah um, and even in in the balkans or you know is it wherever. remote? Um, there's some remote places, um, but uh, you know, th- there's nothing without significant. There's no significant distances to resupply. Oh, really? Um, there are parts cool. that um, you know will take time. So, I think you know, this year we're going through Serbia. There's uh, 60, 80 k's of gravel um, stretch where there's not going to be a lot there. Um, <laughs> so, so let, let let me interject there. So, obviously, this is your fourth. Um, so, you get what do you get given before? you get reach the start line 
are you in the TCR there's checkpoints sure. so how much preparation are you doing beforehand and how much does that spell out your strategy because you're talking about you're immediately talking about distances between food stops and I know that you have a similar story with you just this race you just started mm. um, yeah how much yeah. how much do, or, or, you know how much time are you spending preparing before you get to the start line so um, when it comes to planning um, I mean I probably don't spend enough and I do a lot at the last minute. I think that's probably more of my nature. Sure. Um, but, you know, I do start plotting out a, a route and a, um, I, I plot out, you know, where I'm going to go pretty much as soon as the controls come out. But it's a bit of a loose sketch. And I, I have a, an idea of where stuff is. But a lot of this, the devil's in the detail. Yeah. Um, mm. Especially when you're plotting your own route. Um, if you're following a kind of a preset route, you, you kind of, you can follow that route and find the the resupply but when you plot in your own route you then have to then go again and, and find the resupply or adjust your route to find the the petrol station or the yeah. mcdonald's or or um what have you the mcdonald's yeah um so you, you have already listed where all the mcdonald's are on the route haven't you the funny thing is i kind of know where a lot of them are now <laughs> and, and amazing it's th- so there's good. one in um yeah, in Austria, I'm going to go back to. There's one in Serbia, I'm going to go back to. Hey, so, Matt. Yeah, hey, Matthew. Matthew. Yeah. Welcome. Your same hundred dollar order, yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, quickly, twenty Big Macs. Hey, Matt's here. Matt's here. <laughs> but it is funny. You can you can go across Europe a couple of times, and you start to then end up going through the same places because you know the routes will crisscross and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. true. Um, it's it's quite fascinating. That's interesting. Um, yeah, but I, I guess planning, you know, the more you plan, the more prepared you are, Yes. the less affected you're going to be by bad luck. Yes. And I think it's no it's no um, mistake that you know, folks like uh, Christoph, you know, when they plan a race, I, I believe he has a road book with, you know, everything listed out. Yeah, wow. Well. And th- there's such detail in his plan. Mm. Um, I'm probably not as methodical as that. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, he's- unusual in his planning it's down to the minute so it's, mm. a, it's for him it's a case of i reach the start line clock goes execute pretty much sure yeah. but he also knows that there's a a little 7-eleven on the corner of street in this small town in, in serbia okay yeah gotcha that has chocolate milk yeah magnums yeah and he knows it's open at you know 9 a.m yeah and mm. it closes for an hour at lunch yeah Maybe he doesn't know that much, but that is literally the level of detail that he'll go to. So have you just given the secret to ultra riding? Because the two things, you only mentioned two things, chocolate milk and magnum. Is that? I think we've, is, we've, is that, think have, we've you, have you just I given, think he's revealed his secret to ultra racing. But those are those, pretty, pretty handy. Those yeah, are sure. handy because, you know, there's, you know, there's, you're, you're topping up your liver glycogen, you're inserting fat into the system and carbohydrate in the simple form of sugar magnum <laughs> so you know these are these are things that you need mm. and the highly more highly calorific things you can get the more and longer you can traverse the country on your bicycle at what point before you reach a start line do you start thinking about your diet and do you start thinking about preparing for what's going to be a very intensive period of days during the race or do you just rock up as you are and just try and find as much food as you can? So, I mean, before the start, I'll have a, I'll try and get a bag, yeah. um, a go bag that will have um, enough stuff to keep me going. 
Um, I probably won't use it all, and it, but it's more of a kind of like a, a stash, like a that will be the the reserve. So Fine. if I can't find something okay. at a certain time, I'll have a, a stash of food. Yeah. Um, I think, like I mentioned before, in Europe, there's there's a lot of places to resupply. Yeah. Um, because you know we're racing relatively fast, we're following relatively main routes, and there's going to be various petrol stations and, and stuff. And there's always in a town there will be something usually. Yeah. yeah. Depends on the time of day. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I, I will I will plan for reserves mm. and then have an idea of you know, every two hundred kilometers I'll find somewhere to. Yes. Um, you know have a, a bit of a stop and a bit of a feed mm. um, and find some you know fast food mm. and by that I mean food that you can eat fast yes um, yeah. like you know a pint of milk or chocolate mm. milk and so let's unpack this beast of yours mate because I know Jordan was asking like what do you carry and what are you riding so I am I have the pleasure of uh, riding a, a curved Belgian spirit um, a wonderful bike where'd you get that from um <laughs> I got that from Jira. How about it? I think I, Shameless. I think I was the one of the first yeah. customers. You were the uh, first Belgian Spirit customer in Europe. Uh, through yeah. Europe, I should say. Not in yeah. Europe, but through Europe. Um, and that bike now mm. has done 46,500 K. Come on. By the end of this TCR, um, assuming I make it all the way to 50, the finish. 50,000. It'll be a 50,000 K, yeah, K wow. bike. That's the retirement. Really? Yeah, because we're, we're building you a new one. Well, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's lovely bike. I've got a, uh, a handful of Apertura um, bike packing bags, so Great. a frame bag, yeah. and a saddle bag, and a little top tube bag as well. Yeah. Oh, top tube bag. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then do you have those feedbacks? So I do have a feedback. Um, Uno. Just the one. Oh. Yeah. There's not really a, not, a lot of room so on my handlebars. It's not much a feedback. It's, it's, it's you, more of a you know, bucket. I've got yeah, he's these, got these tiny, narrow yeah, little it's, yeah. it's track the feed, bars. The feedback is more of a bucket. You know, like one of those like wash buckets. He's just hanging on the edge of his uh, on the edge of his uh, handlebars. Like yeah, it's like a nose bag. <laughs> yeah, like a nose bag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's exactly what you need. You need something you can just yeah, dip yeah. into yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and rummage around yeah. and, and find something that's yeah. going to be tasty and keep you going. And then you've got you've got a dynamo. Yeah, I've got a, a Dynamo Hub, um, and so on the Italy Divide, I I, I bought these lovely um, uh, Supernova um, lights. Oh, you got mm. super bright. Um, yeah, yeah uh, front and back lights. I've got <clears throat> additional lights. I've got reflectors, reflective tape, all that, all that good stuff. Um, so is the Dynamo just powering your lights? Predominantly powering the lights. Um, I've I can use it for. Um, charging my gps my wahoo and okay. also my phone as well okay. if i need to sure um, i do have a power pack yeah. um because yeah it depends if i'm if i'm going up a steep climb the last thing i want to do is take away another six watts from from my legs from moving up the hill and put it into a, a phone like so for for those who aren't aware of what a dynamo hub is essentially it's a a, a hub that replaces the, the front hub on a on a wheel but the kinetic motion of the of the wheel generates energy but in turn as matt's alluding through, to through slight resistance yeah but through mm. through but as matt was alluding to the the, the yeah, drawback of it is there's a resistance they're that, super efficient they really are um yeah and i think when you're on the flat and rolling at you know 25k an hour no problem it's, yeah. it's 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 marginal but when you're on a steep climb and the um you're not getting much out of it mm. every pedal stroke is mm. drawing from it so yeah sure in fact the resistance is a bit higher yeah. when you're climbing yeah um, really because every every rotation is taking the resistance so it's not efficient and it's best to just unplug and you've got a pizza on your back as well 
sometimes yeah. I'll have pizza on my back um, I, I can put it in the saddlebag as well um, I have a vision I remember um, in the first TCR I did I, I, I came across this um, pizza van on the top of this hill in France I love this story and I was I was starving my phone wasn't working I was I was not happy and then this pizza van appeared and I was like can I have two pizzas please and said, yeah sure and he You're started kidding. he started going away and said, so what pizzas would you like <laughs> after about five minutes and i just pointed to two on the menu ate one uh, folded the other one up and put it on my back love that i just love that off. so good that was a lovely pizza um, it was the perfect spot as well nice and so is there anything that you have or don't have that's different uh, for you ryan on your ultra rig well matt didn't really go into too much detail about what he actually carries i mean yeah. fundamentally the skeleton of what matt was saying um you know saddle bag top tube a frame bag mm. um uh you know a little feed bag mm. those are those are kind of the essentials mm. that the most vessel. yeah that's kind of like the, the the skeleton of what makes up a rider's kind of yeah machine yeah. of adventure yeah but what you put in there is always interesting and yeah. the way that i love pitching up to these races and seeing a people's bikes mm. b how different everyone's setup is in terms of you know the wheels the tires are they running dynamos are they not are it does that strategy then dictate whether they're sleeping inside or sleeping rough yes you know Therefore, if they are sleeping outside, yeah. what are they carrying in terms of their kit? I mean, the Pan Celtic, because I'd hurt myself and... So just uh, just go back a bit. So let's, let's uh, a quick overview of mm. what the Pan Celtic... Celtic. 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 Sorry. Sorry, man. Sorry. What the Pan Celtic race is, because you just finished it. At least I think um, it is. I'm, I'm having for, doubts now. Oh, well, saying, everyone's saying Celtic now. For I'm all... Like, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, for the first race, it seemed to be a huge success. Um, yeah, but it just was gi- a massive success. Yeah, so just give a, you know, shout out to the organizers. Let's just give an overview of what of what the Pan-Celtic race is. Yeah, shout and out apolo- to Mally Ryan. And, and, apologi- and the boys. apologies if we're pronouncing it wrong. And the ferns. <laughs> yeah, the, the Pan-Celtic essentially is celebrating um, the, the Celtic states or countries within um, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales yeah. on this iteration. There's obviously Brittany and there's Cornwall. Yes. And I think they'll be going to those in an, in their future races sure. um, in, the, in the coming years. But essentially it was starting in Inverness. You traverse the northern, kind of like the, um, the northern high, Scottish highlands in an anti-clockwise direction. So going right to the top of Scotland and then traversing all the way around down um, until you get to a ferry where you can cross through to Belfast in Northern Ireland and then essentially do the same thing go around the top of Northern Ireland cross the border into into Ireland and then all the way down to Cairn Ryan to another ferry and then you go across to is it Welshpool? Welshpool? No it's um, uh, you go to Fishguard Fishguard sorry Fishguard it's a great name yeah <laughs> Fishguard and um, I was actually, um, that's where your mum is. 15 miles away from my mum. Oh, where sh- I was born shout and, out to and grew the, up. Shout out to the mac and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does that mean? The mac and cheese. It's mac basically cheese. our ride to Wales every oh, March. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about 430k. <laughs> for um, the mac and cheese. <laughs> for my mum to make me some mac and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. It's kidding. good mac and cheese. Wow, yeah. must be. Yeah. Um, 
Hey, Mummy Birdman. Um, yeah. Mummy Faulkner. Um, yeah, so essentially it was... Uh, and then you race all the way to the top. Um, it's a short little distance through Wales, but she's punchy. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like 12,000 meters of vert in 650Ks. A lot of climbing. Um, and I think the whole thing was only 2,500. And... But it was Kilometers. like, yeah, two yeah. and a half thousand Ks, but 35,000 meters of vert. So it's, it's a lot of climbing, a lot right? Of up, yeah. That's a lot of up. Like, wh- what did you have in your last TCR over 4,000? Um, last year was relatively flat, I think, relatively. Yeah. I think it was um, 38,000. Uh, over four. Yeah. Yeah, wow. 38,000. 38,000. Yeah. 38,000, yeah. This year, I think I-, I need to check my route again. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got time. Yeah, um, it starts next week, right? <laughs> Saturday, yeah. but I've got forty five thousand meters on my route at the moment. Yeah, well. in, in four. Yeah, okay. So it was kind of yeah. I mean, it. I think it caught a lot of people out because it is. You go, oh, this is a baby ultra. You're like, mm-hmm. we just dip our toe into this one, and there's a shorter route which You'd you can do, which is like eighteen hundred k's or sixteen hundred k's. You'd Everested in two days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's 30, basically 30 four, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a day and a half, 40, uh, you know, 8,800 meters climbing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's punchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, when, yeah, I, yeah, when yeah, I was yeah, going, yeah, yeah. you really should have yeah. uh, planned this one, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so we're... Yeah, we're, we're Dynamo talk, would have been great. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the pan, we're talking about the pan uh, Celtic, Celtic, forgive me. What is it? Do we know, Matt? So, um, apparently... There's some, there's some, um, there's some religious, there's some religious kind of um, controversy potentially. Ooh. So Celtic Football Club is yeah. definitely Celtic. Okay. Um, apparently elsewhere it's Celtic. Okay. Um, but I've never really. So what are we going to go with? We're going to go with Celtic. Okay, pan Celtic. Okay. I think we're going to go with the one that you feel most comfortable with saying. I'm sure yeah. the the fine people of the pan Celtic uh, race will correct us. Um, I, we mean no disrespect if we're getting this wrong so please please forgive us if we are um, but we're talking about this race um, yeah. it was um, uh, it was a, a fantastic route that they planned out yeah. and um, I suppose the bit I want to ask about and I've, I've written this down but I, and, and there's aspects of your TCRs that you've done Matt that I'd also like to ask about is Ryan you went through some extreme uh, moments and extreme situations of, of duress that for 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 the for the most people would be enough to warrant quitting and this is what I find so fascinating about the kind of ultra riding is that there is this understanding and respect of the course and of the race that you just carry on and with the support of others around you and yeah so maybe let's let's break down a little bit about the race when did it when did the wheels start to fall off <laughs> when did the wheels come off <laughs> yeah um they came back up and you finished yeah but the wheels definitely came off yeah unfortunately um flying over to inverness um i must have picked up a bug mm. so that was that was fun um nope nope (laughs) um then when upon landing something must have happened to my rear brake and the hydraulics failed um cycling from the airport i built my bike at the airport and then went to the city center um 
realized my back brakes got a lot of like brake fade piston keeps sort of not disengaging from the um the rotor and my front right feels a bit squidgy and i was like oh no i've got an air bubble or something and i've just bled these things myself hmm. we had a great time um rushing around last minute because i'd i'd slipped a disc in my back and then i t- t- had an annular tear in in my disc and I didn't think I was going to ride, let alone do an ultra so soon. It was seven, eight weeks later. But um, yeah, got got there. Things started to go wrong quickly. And I was just like, well, do you know what? My races started early. So let's just try and start problem solving these things as quickly as I can. Um, very lucky to find a bike shop that worked quite late until the night before the start of the race i collected my bike wow and um that was thankfully a a good mechanic going above and beyond yeah that that um that was fun and then obviously when the gun went i wasn't feeling great but you know these i just you kind of think well how, how bad can it be because you know you can you can get through these things hopefully the sickness will disappear and my bike's working and you know i'm very lucky to be here just riding my bike and Mm. my back is although it's a bit locked up and a bit i'm feeling a bit ginger about the whole thing Mm. i promised the guys i'd come and do the pan celtic and and have a bit of fun and just do you know my thing on social media which i usually do which I is just kind of invite of people into my happened along adventure the way mm-hmm. and share that in this was very honest format unlike yeah. um sometimes it's those honest, races but um, it was kind of just another one of those issues, things that happened were things that i'd either come across or i knew how to deal with and i guess that's just the reason why i don't quit is mm. yes to re- respect and honor the race um and you know to it's not within my nature to to quit um but also if you, you've come across all of these things mm. you know how to deal with them when they arise uh, i guess to find the perfect race you've got to you've got to have a few yeah. few issues along the way yeah i'm always searching for that per- perfect race and um i, I hope one day it, it, uh-huh. it, it finds me uh-huh. but um I do love the problem solving yeah. and each person's race starts at a different time even though you set off together mm. and some people's race only starts really at the end mm. if they've executed a perfect race because um, it's very difficult to recover from something like that putting your body through through it if you truly truly race it yeah um, yeah so I guess what happened later on was the race started i was with I, I didn't actually expect to be up the front anyway i just came to enjoy the adventure and share it and then everyone went off like a frog in a sock going absolutely berserk and um there was a lot of new guys there which was cool you know i was really happy to see so many um young guns and guys and girls people from all over the world came to the pan celtic which was really cool to see as well people from canada the us you know it was um people from portugal um uh from from germany um is czech you know there's um gosh where were there were so so many interesting internationals that came out and 
that was beautiful to see in the inaugural race. And then I was sort of there up at the front with all these guys sort of pinging off and exploding and blowing up. And I was like, wow, this is quite interesting. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, then um, got to the first checkpoint and we were in third and fourth. And I was like, wow, okay, that's pretty cool. I feel terrible, but if I can be here now, then might as well just keep going. I'm just trying to recall what happened in what phase. But I think essentially... Um, I was at McDonald's, you found me and were cheering me on. It was a day three, I was kind of just trying to push through the rain and, and just make sure that I was being sensible in the, in the conditions because mm. a lot of guys and girls were p- pulling out at this stage. I think we lost 15, 20% of the field in one day because just really bad weather. Um, it's really difficult to kind of understand how to go long. People sure. kind of in the minute, in the day, in the race, um, but you've got to be thinking about, you know, mm. an eight or a 10 day mm. kind of experience. And because it was so hilly mm. and because you were spending an awful lot of time in headwinds and in the rain and it was getting a bit chilly and people were being exposed to the elements for longer. Yeah. A lot of people then started to pull out because of issues through those um, kind of adverse weather conditions. I then decided to throw my wallet away in a bin um, at McDonald's because... It was getting too easy. It was just, yeah, it was like, man, this is just, just too easy. Um, so we were, so uh, my, my, uh, my, oh. good buddy, my good buddy Chris and I were up, happened to be in the area. We were hiking Ben Nevis. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, the route's coming through. So I text Ryan, I was like, bro, we're going to be in Fort William. He's like, fine, that's me. Ryan texts, he says, I'm in McDonald's. So a very brief catch up. Didn't want to be too distracting to the guy. He's clearly going through a bit of a difficult time. And I didn't want him to see Doris. Um, Doris is, is my beautiful van. I didn't want him to see Doris because he'd just want to be in her. <laughs> that came out so wrong. <laughs> so anyway, so we're driving off and we're driving da- back down towards to the south. About an hour and a half later, um, I see in my, in my car has got like a connection with your phone. And this message comes up from Ryan. So I hit play. And so it's like an electronic, like Google voice reading out. <laughs> John G, yeah, yeah. you won't believe what I've just done. Yeah, yeah. Throwing like, my wallet in the bin. <laughs> this thing's like, so I've just thrown my wallet in the bin. I've lost my wallet. I think it's in the bin. This thing's reading out. And we're like, oh my God, what do we do? And you know, this is in the, this is in the early stages of the race. Yeah. So I'm expecting... And this is the kind of the point I want to speak to both of you about is this just happened to be a really very low point of your race, but you continued on, you finished. And Matt's also had low points in his races. Now, for most people hearing that, it'd be like, well, you don't have your wallet, man. You've got you, you got diarrhea. You know, you like. It's when you learn how to hunt, eh? <laughs> it's like, just just stop. Like, so what, I'd, I'd love to kind of get into that personal journey of what makes you continue on to the finish and why you don't just stop. I think for me, I kind of look at it in that if it's something that isn't stopping me from pedaling still, mm. I can still keep moving mm. and something's gone wrong, but I can't control it, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily stop me from moving forward. Sure. Then I, I shouldn't really not waste the energy about it, but um it it's it's not a problem yeah it's it's just a a distraction yeah 
almost. So, yeah, focusing on stuff that you can control mm. um, or and ignoring the stuff you can't control mm. or putting it off until you can find until a solution. Until you can find a solution. So, you know, uh, you, know you have a, a mechanical problem. You can't fix it on the side of the road. Yeah. Don't sit there fiddling with it. Yeah. Get on your bike if it can still move. Yeah. Um, find a bike shop. Yeah. Ride to it. Get yeah. it fixed there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all about finding... Yeah. Finding that solution to the problem. Have you had that from day one, that mindset? Or is that something that you feel that you've learned? I pretty much learned it yeah. um, the second day in my first TCR. Okay. Um, when I'd managed, so there was a problem with Apple phones where if you kill the settings, um, you lose mobile data or something. Okay. Something really bizarre. Uh, basically meant I had no contact with the outside world. Mm. And all I was doing on the phone up until that point was refreshing the, the, the dot watching site to Tinder. see where everyone else was. Tinder. But, um, yeah, I was kind of. It's a match. I was. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of made it to this town, and I was trying. My 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 French is terrible. I'm, my languages in general are pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, I learned to yeah, communicate I can, I can very that. well with with my hands. Expressive dance. The expressive dance. <laughs> um, hand gestures. Yeah. Like I've, I learned a bit of Italian. Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, um, I kind of I spent about an hour. Trying to trying to communicate with these people to try and get at Google the solution to this problem that you because I remembered it happened before. Okay, and then I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, sure. What, why are you just sitting? I mean, yeah. I managed to get a nice bit of um, cider off some locals playing bowls in the the sand. Legend. But um, I was like, "Why what are you doing here? Just get going. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You'll find something somewhere else." Yeah. You know? And it doesn't really matter about the tracking. No, right? and absolutely not. And. That I realised I I should only worry about stuff that yeah. I can control yeah. first of all yeah. and stuff that um, really matters and that's about yeah. keeping moving yeah. so making sure you've got a, a functioning bike yeah. functioning legs yeah. and um, you've got food and water yeah. you know yeah mm. amazing um, where do you feel you learned that Ryan when was the first time you were like Right, I've just got to get to the finish here. I think just being whipped at school, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, you just, you, <laughs> it's kind of bred into you as yeah. a young South African yeah. to, uh, to never give up. Yeah. And, um, you know, death before DNF. Yeah, oh, I love that. <laughs> um, um, I don't know, it's just not in me to quit. I just, I just don't understand why yeah. you would. Yeah do such yeah. a thing yeah. like yeah i mean why why you essentially are here hmm. no one's put you here no one's forcing you to to do this yeah you you are by the grace of god or whatever you believe in hmm. able to to breathe to adventure hmm. to use your your fully able bodied and you literally are limited by absolutely nothing yes so how good is that and oh wow something something bad happened to you today i can tell you there's a lot of bad things that have happened to people every single day if i've lost my wallet shame poor you Mm. you know if you've got diarrhea and you're vomiting oh well we've all been there Mm. you know if you've got a mechanical in your bike figure Mm. out how to fix it you know, if you've hurt your knee or something's not working, there is always a way that you can repair and keep on going. I mean, I have to say, Ryan, <clears throat> um, 
uh, I think the world owes you a, a huge gratitude and <laughs> that you've really, no, no, I'm serious. Like, as in, you've probably invited people along to this journey that you've been on in races more than any other rider. You know, you're very open, you're very transparent. Um, you know, you do bring a lot of, you know, entertainment, but you're also very real as well. And let's face it, the last, you know, couple of races you have, you, you know, uh, and, uh, and I mean this wholeheartedly, a huge congratulations for finishing this last race because you did have to go through some tough times and you did it. And so like a massive, massive well done. Thanks, man. Um, and then going back to last summer, you know, you had some pretty significant physical issues, you know, not only with diff- difficulties with, 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 with uh, you know, kind of, you know, problems on your bike and in the middle of the race having to move saddles and that when you're in Australia. And then in, in America... Most people know, but a lot of maybe some people don't. You listen to this first time, you end up in hospital having surgery on your gooch. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what a gooch is, it is the area between the scrotum and the <laughs> anus. <laughs> uh, and the you, rusty yeah. bullet wound. <laughs> and you had and you had uh, surgery on that. And now for the, most people, that would be enough to go. Do you know what? I got this far. I'm in hospital. This just isn't my day. Yeah. But you got back on the bike and you finished and then you standing up, (laughs) standing up. Yeah. And you came to Europe, you you rested and, you know, you made the valiant and, you know, effort to try and do the, you know, to across Europe. And again, you unfortunately ended up back in hospital and you called it a day. Yeah. But that was I think that was sensible. But the fact that you were able to push through in America and finish, it stands testament um, to, I think, your character. But for people like me, and I'm sure a lot of people listening, it'd be like, I mean, you guys have already answered it. You know, that's like, why I keep going. When, yeah. Um, you, know. you have to yeah, have Thank a, you for those kind words, mate. Sorry, no, we, sorry, no mate. And, and truly, we were all rooting for you. And it was yeah. amazing to see. And especially after you post that picture of your poop laced with blood. blood. It was like, no, no, you need to stop and you need to go to hospital. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't do that for any kind of, I mean, a lot of people got a bit upset. I was like, why is he doing that? But there were a lot of doctors and a lot of informed people that yeah. could help with yeah, that yeah, situation because yeah. it was new to me. I mean, I've done done a lot of riding, obviously, and had experienced a lot of things that I could, could fix. And I did help a lot of riders on the Pan-Celtic that yeah. had... You know, they had issues with their hands. Yeah. They couldn't use their hands anymore. I provided a solution to help them with that, yeah. alleviate their pain. Some guys had IT issues, ITB issues, knee issues, tracking issues. Some guys um, had bib tight issues. Bib tight issues, Achilles issues. Well, and bib, bib tight issues when it was 30 degrees. Just cut, oh, those, yeah. cut those guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, and it... It's just from experience that you learn how to deal with those things, yeah, yeah. and I just wanted to help them, and yeah, th- I sure. guess that's why I kind yeah, of yeah. do some of the, the kind of posts or yeah. invite people to kind of understand yeah. it a bit more because yeah. there isn't really a r- rule book and there isn't no. really one way of doing it. It's just the way that I've found that's been quite yeah. helpful and useful and sharing that. Yeah. Pe- people enjoy that. Um, and, and some people kind of un- didn't really understand that one, but I guess that's a bit of a background as to why. Because I got, I was in a position where I didn't know, so I asked. Mm. Um, it just, I probably should have just posted, "Hey, I've just, <laughs> I've, no, been, no, no. I've been, I've no, been so dehydrated. It was, it was, I was sick. I you, couldn't you, actually you, go to the bathroom for a long time. You turned it in. Finally, did, and it was this monster python. <laughs> um, just as a peloton of ladies came past, yeah. and all you can do is just laugh yeah. and. 
put your hand up and wave come look at this yeah <laughs> and then i was like oh wow that's yeah. that's not good and there was blood everywhere so i was like all right what do you uh what so, do you do so matt um have there been any low points in your races that stand out and that yeah. you feel do you and maybe i'll ask this to both of you i mean you can say the low low points please do you allow yourself a sense of pride when you finish mm. yeah for sure yeah um because you're both very humble people. <laughs> no, 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 I mean it. As in, no, 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 no. I, I mean it. Thanks, in that, yeah. your achievements that you, you, you know, if, if you were to speak to, you know, kind of the majority of people that come through here for this cafe, for example, mm-hmm. and you were to kind of list out, you know, some of the rides that you've done, people would, their jaws would hit the floor, and you, you never really flaunt it. Like you know, you both have very different characters. Like we know that, but you're very humble in your achievements on the bike. So do you allow your sense? So let, sorry, I'm, I'm asking two questions here. So first mm. of all, what are some of the lows that you've experienced and you have, have gone through? And then when you get to the end, do you allow your sense of, do you know what, mate? Pat on my back. I, I did it. I finished when I thought I wasn't going to. Yeah, so one of the things I've learned over the years of doing the transcontinental race is that um, you go through these waves of emotions. Sure. And it's a constant yeah. roller coaster. Yeah. Um, mainly, you know, because if sugar levels are low, okay. or, you know, you're, you're, you're hungry, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a constant roller coaster, I found. Mm. So, and I, I've learned that when I am low, it's probably going to get better sometime yeah. soon. So, it, it, I'm learning, you know, that you're going to go through that roller coaster constantly. Yes. Is that, you know, you're always going to find something uh, that's going to bring you back up. Yeah. Um, and it's bizarre some of the things that have happened that just out of the blue like yes. you've been really low and you know maybe you'll get just get a message on the on the the phone saying you're doing amazing yeah i want to talk about that in a moment yeah um or you know you bump into a dot watcher mm. and you you stop and have a chat and, yeah. and that sort of thing where they they hand out a croissant or you know yeah um it's a constant roller coaster but also be aware that when it's when you're feeling good yeah you're probably gonna start going down again yeah, at some yeah, point yeah, yeah. soon so mm. Yeah, it, I've always found that roller coaster thing is something I'm very aware of. Fine. Sometimes it catches me off guard. So you know that when you're in that moment where you're feeling down, um, you know that you're going to come back up again. Yeah, you have to kind of just dig a little bit deeper. Sure. Um, and then just focus on that one thing that you need to be doing. Yeah. And that's that constant forward yeah. progress. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. If you, as long as you're moving forward, yeah. it can't be that bad. Yeah, sure. Cool. Um, I mean, I've had all sorts of problems. I've had, you know, punctures and uh, routing issues. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've even fried a bunch of iPhone cables um, in the rain. Oh. It's amazing the amount of smoke and sparks that come out of that thing when a, yeah, bit, of rain, <laughs> get, a bit of rain gets on there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you just stop, mm. you know, um, find a, a an iPhone shop and get some new cables. Yeah, yeah. Job done. Yeah. Um, I love the TCR. <laughs> 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 That's, um, <laughs> But it, it's it's maybe um, you know the, it's also I think as well as constant for progress is always a good thing. Yeah. Been have to stop and just take yeah. stock as well. Yeah. Um, and regroup. Yeah. That's always a, a good thing as well. I've done yeah. that a few times. Yeah. Um, allows you to recharge stuff. Yeah. Recharge yourself. Yeah. Get a, a shower in a hotel and whatnot. Mm. That that's always good. Um, and do yeah. you? I'm, I'm aware of time. So I want to bring up a couple of points, but do you, mm. in short answers, do you allow yourself a moment at the end to kind of go, like, I'm really proud that I, I finished that? It's difficult. 
it's it takes a long time to process these things. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I'm still not sure I really have processed a sure. lot. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, it's um, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of you, you sit back yeah. and you smile. Yeah, I, I smile yeah. and you say I did that. Yeah. But it's kind of actually. You know, there's no prize. Yeah, no, no. You know, and that's one of the beautiful things of about kudos. Ultra. There's no prize. Um, yeah, yeah. Ryan? Um, for me, I think anyone can do these rides. Yeah, beautiful. I've, and that's why I, I, I invite people into my yeah. little world and yeah. say, do you know what? Yeah. I'm just a normal guy. Yeah. I love riding my bike. Yeah. I do it in a different sort of way. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day it's just a bike ride yeah really yeah, yeah. and i'm not here to pat myself on the back about the ride i'm here to encourage other people mm. to get off the couch and support jesse's message in yeah essentially show showing you that you are more capable than you actually believe yeah if you essentially believe but do you and I, and I and i and i know you mean that and mm. but in addition to that do you kind of do you it, kind of yeah, do, 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 do you, that, do you allow yourself that moment to take stock and kind of go bloody hell i just rode i just rode you know six thousand or eight thousand kilometers across uh america went yeah. to hospital had cut open and i finished yeah, only if that sort of thing matters to you. No, I understand you that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it has to matter to you in that way yeah. that you then reflect upon it to yeah. congratulate yourself. I'm yeah. happy with the things that I've done, of yeah. course, and you know, um I I don't reflect upon them in that yeah. same way yeah. as yeah. you know, and I'm not taking away anything from someone that is inspired to go on an adventure and succeeds yeah. and is yeah. and is you know ventured upon that journey and they're just extremely proud mm. i mm. for me that i'm most proud of the friends that i've made or mm. the people that i've inspired mm. to get out on the bike i see matt's nodding as well pe people that you've helped um to to begin their adventure or mm. you know seeing people on the side of the road go do mm. you know what man i've seen your adventures mm. i've bought a bike i've joined a club i found all these mates mm. you know i mm. i have a different mm. outlook on life i'm much health mm. healthier both mentally and physically mm. those things for me mm. i'm like do you know what mm. that's that's awesome yeah that's yeah nice. i think the the friends and uh, the people i've met through, yeah. through doing this stuff yeah um has really kind of it's it's changed my life yeah, it beautiful. really has um i i mean on the road you, you bump into people and you know you, you maybe share a croissant or a cheeseburger in mcdonald's and you know you kind of you know you're gonna they sell croissants be, in mcdonald's um i think they do now for Ooh, breakfast, breakfast. Fa yeah. fancy i think you get a breakfast croissant oh, wow there's some sausage and some egg in there the days we live in i tell you what we've been giving mcdonald's <laughs> so many props so uh, if you're listening <laughs> so no. w one of the things that um so from from obviously matt you did your first one three years ago you're just about to start your third your fourth yeah, wow. um you know tcr um one of the things from our standpoint with regards to people not participating is the support 
that we gather around here for you. So every year we start a WhatsApp group that you're not invited to. <laughs> and, you know, and we're dot watching, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so for those of you who are listening who don't understand or, or you don't kind of understand the reference of a dot watcher. So when these races are going on, there's usually a website that you can go to and essentially using GPS trackers that are mounted on the riders, you can follow and see where they are pretty much up to date and live. So you see different dots on a screen across a map. So those dots represent each rider. And uh, so we, you know, we love watching Matt and we talk about it and we'll often give, you know, send you messages, you know, like a, just to say, hey, bro, you're doing amazing. And, mm-hmm. and then I'm sure, you know, Ryan, you very much invite people along to the journey with your microvlogging, which we'll get onto microvlogging <laughs> in a minute. Actually, that might be a whole nother blog, a whole nother podcast, but we'll, we'll touch on that in a moment. But that, that, that sense of inviting and having other people a part of that. Hmm. What does that mean to you guys when you're doing these in your highest of highs and your lowest of lows during the races? Like, where yeah. is that? Is it, can it be a distraction or is it all positive? Like, so you know? for me, it's, it's, it's massive. Um, it kind of, you, you can be on your own in the middle of the countryside in, in Romania or mm. Serbia or wherever, mm. and you'll get a little message pop up. Yeah. And it makes you realize that people are watching and mm. you're not actually alone. Mm. And, uh, you know, the one thing I've always had with these, the, the transcontinental races is this huge sense of community Yeah. Um, from people I've never met yeah. um, would send me messages out of the blue yeah. and say, you're doing amazing. And that comes through and it's like, yeah, uh, and and they often come through at really low points. Yeah, it's, sure. It's bizarre. I don't know how they know it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, they know because your dot isn't moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it's huge, and you know, you'll have people come up to you on the side of the road, and you know, all of that. Um, it's it's fantastic, and yeah, it's it it really helps, and yeah. it gives you a lift yeah. um, when you kind of really need it. A yeah, lot of the lovely. Time. Dot watches is not just the handful of people that, um, you know, watch it on a screen. Some of these dot watches are super active. These Ryan, oaks are wild. Yeah, Ryan, you and I were just out in Ireland to, to support Kate for the start of her uh, transatlantic way. Yeah. And there were professional <laughs> dot watches there, you know, people who were so passionate about this ultra scene that they were coming just to help out because they wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and there's, there's just this beautiful there's, community around it that's just so Facebook supportful. Groups yeah, yeah, yeah. And support groups yeah. and, you know, like fan pages. Yeah. And they're posting photos back into that um, Facebook page. Yeah. You know, like there'll be a, a transatlantic way dot watches yeah. Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, 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 therein yeah. there's people posting stuff on the course. Yeah. Completely random people that are united by yeah. this adventure. Yeah. And all of these little dots. Yeah. And they're all sharing in it, and they're part of the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's really special yeah. because you've got people not only riding that are part of the race, but people that are supporting. Yeah, it yeah, part of it. That are part of it. I'm not and sure there's another aspect of any sport like that. I don't. I yeah, I don't really. I'm sure there is, but I certainly haven't come across yeah. it in my yeah. in my kind of experience. Yeah, I think a lot of these races might not happen, or as, yeah, wow. as be as as good as they are without yeah. the volunteer support yeah beautiful yeah. and i think a lot of the dot watching comes from volunteers for yeah. you know there's keeping track of the riders making sure they're following the rules potentially yeah um and oh, oh. even at checkpoints and Ooh, control hello. points oh, hello. controversial yeah. 
<laughs> You'll be very important. Um, yeah, good point. But um, no, the, the controls you go to. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. The volunteers staffing yeah. them. You know, yeah. it's. Um, yeah, yeah. People have come on. They've given up their summer holiday yeah. to go and sit under yeah. a, um, yeah. a little yeah. tent yeah. Uh, outside a hotel in the middle of the night, yeah. waiting for a little dot yeah. that's been blinking on their screen to then rock up at mm. their, the hotel and get a stamp. Yeah. Um, Amazing. But the dot watchers and the volunteers are, yeah. are so key to these things. So you me- you mentioned holiday, and I think what's really important to kind of mention about Matt is that <laughs> Matt plans his annual leave away from work around these races. I think that's not a testament to you know who you are, but just how important these races are to you. Most people go away to I don't know Portugal or or, <laughs> yeah. or, or, or wherever. Nice. You you go in and beach, and put maybe. yourself in a hurt locker for for ten days to to achieve something monumental, which you are so so so, you know, nonchalant about um, and very humble about, um, and I love that. I just you know credit to you. Um, yeah. Look, we'll start to kind of wind things up here, um, uh, Rhino. Very quickly, what is what is microvlogging? Are these questions from the? No, no, we get into those. Oh. We get into those in a moment. What is microvlogging? Yeah, because in your in your bio, you are a pioneering microvlogger. Yeah, so um, essentially, like <laughs> back in the day, there were the kind of there were the bloggers, you know, before there was YouTube, um, and before there was kind of this unlimited data. Yes consumption that you had access to you had people blogging and just essentially writing about adventures Mm. then you had this content creation and youtubers and you know there was a lot of editing and you kind of had to spend a lot of time buying a lot of equipment and editing suites and compiling these videos and then there came micro-vlogging through the format of stories in Instagram. And micro-vlogging <laughs> essentially happened on the first Indian Pacific wheel race in 2017. And I kind of wanted to bring people on this adventure, but I couldn't really be bothered to create a Edit YouTube yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> video <laughs> every day. And that almost was impossible, especially with like no signal and crossing the desert and stuff. Instagram, however, gave me a option to, if you could talk within 15 seconds and you were quite handy with your phone and if... Oh, descending. Road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you were able to just kind of slowly create a story about your adventure that was maybe co- real but com- comical in a way and wasn't too down upon how hard things were because, you know, it, it, can, it can be up and down and, you know, just kind of celebrate life and the fact that you're on a great adventure and you're happy and you're healthy and, you know, I, that's what microvlogging was. And essentially microvlogging started because um, my mum was quite ill and I was raising money for um, a, a disease that she has, which is incurable, and um, she unfortunately can't leave the house and I wanted to take her along with me. Mm. And that's how microvlogging started really, mm. was just to get Mummy Rhino out on the, um, the adventure with me. 
Um, she's a wonderful woman, one a great great sportswoman that unfortunately um, was struck down with the with a brain tumor that then became after operating on um, spasmodic torticollis, which is incurable. Mm. And um, I just yeah, that's how microvlogging kind of really started was. Um, you know, taking Mummy Rhino out there on the uh, on the adventures, and yeah, beautiful. I guess the reason why I didn't quit when things got really tough was we were raising money yeah. um, for that for that foundation on the first one, and uh, yeah, pioneering ultra endurance microvlogging. I guess the term was coined by <laughs> Jesse Carlson, yeah. um, who kind of came up with um, what exactly it was I was doing. Yeah. So, uh, in a very long nutshell, again. Microvlogging. I think uh, I think we have, Matt, I think we have a new nickname for Ryan. I think he's Big Nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, it's Big Nutshell. Big Nutshell and his microvlogging. I know. I just seem to talk so much yeah. and don't say very much at the same time. Look, we will. So we've. So thank you very much, everybody who's listening. Um, some of you sent in your questions earlier on today, um, and we. Uh, I'm going to go through a few of them now, if that's okay, before sure. before Quick we finish up. Round, is it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's try and get these. Um, let's get them. So, <laughs> for those of you who sent in questions and we weren't able to get to them, nothing personal. Uh, we just not necessarily don't have time. So, from um, this is from Instagram from Chris Noonan like, or Noonan like, or Noonan like. Mate, you're not helping with the uh, speed of this whole segment of the show. Hey, <laughs> big nut. <laughs> <laughs> Big nutshell. Shush. Okay. He says, how's it, Oaks? Oh, no, you can't. How's it, Oaks? How's it, Oak? Can I get some top daughter tips for a wannabe endurance cyclist living in Ireland looking to take on the Transatlantic Way or the Pan Celtic next year in 2020? Totally inspired by Kate Fowler and Rhino's journey. Whoa. So some some tips to getting into it. What do you, what do you either of you reckon? First thing, sign up. Sign up, yeah. Put your name on the dotted line. Yeah, yeah. That's it, mate. Thanks. Thanks, that, Chris. <laughs> that really lights a fire yeah. under your bum. Yeah, yeah. Hey, no, that's it, mate. If you need to, uh, if you want to walk on water, you get out of the boat. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, sign up, mate, and um, we'll fill in the blanks for you. Just uh, send us a message. So there's we'll, a, we'll a, very, a very similar question from Fitness Schwab, who is our very own oh, Chris. Oh, that's Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Christian, he essentially says, what are the first steps to uh, essentially experiencing your first race? So I'm guessing we're saying sign up. Yeah, sign up, but... Chris, um, buy a curve. <laughs> you need, you need <laughs> buy to... Buy a Belgian spirit. <laughs> you need to buy the right tool for the job. You need to buy the right tool for the job. Very good. Um, yeah, I guess those are the first steps. From uh, Kiwi Stefan, Matt, what's your expectations for this year's TCR? Oh, Stefan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to write to breast. Write to breast. Yeah. Just going to get to the finish? Yeah. Right on. Who knows what might happen? We're going to head out to the finish. Watch you come in. Oh, have, yeah, have, I'm writing have, to breast. Have a beer with you, mate. Awesome. So is uh, Future Crusoe. Oh yeah, oh. Harry's going to be there at the finish. Yeah, shout out to Very Harry. Cool. So actually, I I want to give a massive shout out to Harry. Harry was um, planned and was signed up to do the TCR this year. He's one of our curve riders. Um, he also works for Apertura. Um, unfortunately, he's got a problem with his back, so he's had to pull out. But we, Harry, if you're listening, pal, we love you, mate. Looking forward to uh, to next year. Love you, future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love you, Chris. All right, from our very own Tom Coles. Um, to Matt, how do you get into the zone when you're going long? 
I really, I just kind of slip into it. It's just, it's just, yep. once I start pedaling, I'm there. Like, Lovely. I don't have music um, until recently. I don't Whoa. listen to music. Yeah, really? really? Um, it's all about really just making sure I know where I'm going. Just once I start turning the pedals, it's uh, it's all good. And no music, from really? All- I've started. Now, oh, you've started. But- Man, all- you're going to go so much faster. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Watch out, Stefan. Also from Tom, also from Tom Coles. <laughs> Uh, favorite single bit of kit for an ultra rain pants rain pants never taken rain pants Adam's nose Adam's nose and rain pants and rain pants mate Matt same I, question that would be my curved belgy spirit <laughs> legend <laughs> get in there love it okay from Chris McGovern or is Chris Orange as a lot of people genuinely think is his name but his name is Chris McGovern his name's not Chris Orange. <laughs> How often do you change your kit? On the race, yeah, I have one set of kit. You have one set of kit. So, and that to that oh, one. Oh yeah, this is your redundancy program that, coming that, into effect, that, is that, it? That one set of kit is currently in on the wall in our bathroom in Giro Cycles. Yeah, it, it lasted to the just before the finish. Yeah, and then you binned it, didn't you? Yeah, I kind of hit a rock and double punctured and and fell over. Okay, so um, he's also got another question about pet peeves. Go Tom. So um, he knows that Matt hates sparkling water when he thinks it's still in in, in European countries. It is the worst thing in the world. When all you want is a water. nice, refreshing bottle of water, yeah, it's got bubbles in. So Ryan, what's your pet peeve on a on a ride on a ultra? Water without bubbles. <laughs> Excellent. Um, My he, pet he, peeve is um, people drafting each other. Oh, hello. Yeah. That, that upsets me a little it bit. It does upset you. That's not cool. Yeah. Um, okay, I've got some questions from Hamish. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start r- like racking through these. But um, how do you pace your ride? Do you set a daily target and stick to a plan? Um, or you just take each day as it comes? You have to have a strategy yeah. um, and adapt it as the days go by. Yeah. But have a kind of a goal for what yeah. you want to do and where yeah. you want to get to each yeah. day. Um, yeah, break down your rides, your route into kind of manageable chunks and then tick them off as you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. And um, he's got a couple of other questions, which I, Hamish, I think we alluded to earlier on. But what's the worst mechanical you've ever encountered and how did you solve it in a, in a race? A double puncture and a, a crash. A double puncture it, and it really a crash. Hurt. Yeah, sounds it. And how did you solve it? Uh, I put two new inner tubes in. <laughs> and you got and back on your bike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had other punctures. Yep. Um, they're all, these are really exciting. I have had a um, a bottle cage snap off Oh. that I had to put back on with some cable ties. Oh, nice. And that was good to go. Reno. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just trying to recall any mechanical I've ever had with our bikes. Your bikes have been fine, but your your body has been yeah, shot. Like heart of a lion, body of glass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's my new um, slogan. Um, so- I've actually never um, never had a serious mechanical on our bikes. Hmm. Um, and touch wood, I've actually not punctured in a ultra. How about it? Wow, that's cool. 
Mm. I've got a question here from Seb, Seb Ellis, young Seb. Um, how do you balance pushing your body and past its limit in pursuit of the goal of, the, of these races? And what are the impacts of, of this on your daily life once you've finished? It's only temporary. Yeah. I think it's, it's only a perceived limit. Sure. The limit is only placed upon you by yourself. I mean, Matt, you've so, got some, you know, from day one that you've done ultras, you've got palsy in your hands yeah as in limited movement which obviously gets better over time but then you get better and then you go and do another one yeah so the italy divide this year i had quite bad um uh needles, especially in my left hand I yeah had, i couldn't cross my fingers yeah um but it's three months later yeah you're right-handed i'm right-handed yeah, so yeah. that's good so you're but um doing that a lot with your using this hand more than that and that's fixed on the bar more um could be there could be many reasons i think it might be braking um as well and using brakes on downhill but um my hands are fine now so three months is the recovery time for gotcha. that so I, i'm kind of comfortable with that now You're right. um, last year i didn't have any palsy problems on the tcr no um i think that was mainly because i was using uh etap mm -hmm. and there wasn't a lot of kind of rough downhill so i wasn't mm -hmm. like you know grabbing onto the brakes and putting that pressure into the hand chattering yeah sure um so yeah, it was fine last year. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be fine again. Darren Franks asked a question. Apart from a seven-day croissant, what's the worst thing you've ever eaten? <laughs> Dark chocolate cherry Jaffa cakes. They're the worst thing. Mate, that I've sounds amazing. Ever tried? I, oh. I I don't like cherry, as we discussed and, last and night. Or dark chocolate. Or dark chocolate, <laughs> especially when you're expecting a jaffa cake. Oh, okay. To have, right. I can uh, understand that was that. the worst thing. Yeah, terrible. Crossing the Nullarbor, there are truck stops devoid of anything that relates or looks like food. <laughs> it's been sitting in a warming drawer for possibly weeks. It used to be and probably started life off as a hot dog or maybe some sort of enticing pasty. But what it is now is unrecognizable and sort of lukewarm. It tastes of nothing. But it costs the earth. <laughs> and it makes you fart like you've never farted before. I can't tell you what it was. But that was it? But that's what it was. Wow. All right. So I've, I've, I've a couple more questions from Danny, our legend Danny, our, our race coach, oh. our mechanic, our... Sydney boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, sleeping rough. What's your setup? So I find a, a nice hotel on booking.com. Hotel, okay, right on, okay, yeah, cool. Sleeping rough, Yeah, mate. with slippers, of course, yeah, yeah. 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 Little pipe. What do you know? Yeah, that's it, eh? Sleeping rough. Um, I get, so the first thing I do is I slip into my rain pants. Sure. So I put those things on, uh, be careful not to tear them with your shoes, uh, so you very delicately uh, step off and in. Sure. Um, then I put on my sleeping bag, yeah. which is essentially a synthetic uh, hydrophobic down jacket with a hood. Put that on, and then I slip into my little evening gown, which is my rain jacket. <laughs> um, and then I find a nice little place, and I just move the twigs and the sticks out of the 
the other way. I turn around my helmet so that it's facing uh, south-north. And I rest the uh, cranium into the helmet like that. And then I just close my eyes. One thing I do, though, if I'm in a bit of a strange area, is I turn my track off about 10 minutes before I think I'm going to go to sleep. So none of these uh, oaks can come and say, Hey, how's it, Oak? Can I get a photo with you? I know it's 2 o'clock in the morning, but I've been following you for like a week, and I just want a photo. Um, so, do you want some Elvis juice? <laughs> and then I tie a little piece of string from my toe to my bike, just in case someone wants to uh, take a trophy with them. Yeah, uh, and then sure. Toe. Eh? Sorry. <laughs> don't talk about no, his, okay. don't talk about his toe. Come on, we've been there before. <laughs> don't talk about his yeah, toe. Yeah, that's uh, that's essentially the uh, top touring tips for sleeping uh, on the outside. Weight loss over the trip. Oh yeah, over a race. You you lost five kilos this last one. Yeah, but I was pretty heavy going in. I was probably a bit too heavy. Matt, how much weight? Uh, first TCR. Are I you lost hoping to lose? About first TCR, I lost about seven. <laughs> first TCR, I lost about um, I'm not sure, about eight to ten kilos. Whoa! Wow! Yeah, so I went from like eighty-two to sub seventy-five. Holy moly! Um, yeah, that was uh, that was traumatic. Yeah, I remember. I, I picked you up from the airport. Like you were like skeletal. Yeah. When I picked you up. Yeah, Second yeah. TCR, it was probably about six kilos, maybe. Mm. Um, and so I, last last TCR, it was probably about five. Yeah, well. Okay. But I probably put about six kilos of ice cream on when I was at, at the, the finish. finish. Yeah, right on. And Giros bitters and everything. So, all right. You know. So, um, the last Indy pack, I was actually net zero. Yeah, really? Yeah. That's which is great for me. So look, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Obviously, we've gone long form tonight. I've, yeah, I, I, super I, I, I find this fascinating. I really appreciate your time. Um, for uh, one last question, um, I'll ask you individually: What uh, future plans or goals do you have in uh, in riding? Have you got any races that you want to do, or any goals that you want to set? Um, yeah. Um, so I'd really love to take on the Tour Divide. Yep. Um, my. I've kind of had a bit of a, a tester with some uh, off-road on the Italy device. So yes, done the Italy you've done divide, that twice now. Yeah, last yeah. two years. Um, that's really tough. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why I went back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I want to try the, the Tour Divide. So going off-road is, is where I want to be. Cool. Um, I think. Right on. Yeah, I want to race Matt at the Tour Divide. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I want to do the Tour Divide as well. Yeah. Um, man, I want to go back to the Pan Celtic. Yeah. Celtic. Um, again, I want to do Colorado Trail Race. I oh, want to, yeah, that's. Um, I yeah. want to do um, Race to the Rock one day. I'd mm. like like to get a race to the rock kind of about because that's probably one of the hardest ultras in the world yeah um but you need a bit of experience i think to to really race something like race to the rock mm. i mean i think this year there's 500 k's of no food no water when you're averaging 15 k's an hour that's a long time mm. um what else um i want to do the rhino run <laughs> yeah yeah i want to ride from Namibia through Southern Africa into Lesotho and then Swaziland mm. and I understand that that race is happening in November November 2020 20, and November some of the best in the world are going to pitch up and race so all right I'll see you there Matt
So look, we will wrap things up here. But um, uh, Matt, Ryan, thank you very much for giving your time. Um, I, I hope, you know, for those listening, I appreciate you staying along for the, for the whole thing. Um, if you've got any questions um, for, you know, about Curve, about the ultra race, and then just get in contact with us. We'll put in all the links below um, in the description for Matt, for Ryan, for, for, for Curve, for Giro. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And uh, we will see you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.